y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, as always, and we've reached the end of our MLB preview series, part six of six here tonight. We're taping this the night before opening day, uh, April 6th, 2022. We got one division left, the AL Central. We're going to preview the AL Central for you tonight. And then we're going to give our World Series picks and maybe some other bold predictions or anything else along the way. Uh, should be a great episode. If you guys enjoyed this episode and you want to check out the other episodes of this previous series, make sure you go back and check those out. We covered every single division and we gave our win total projections for each division. And we're going to have a lot more great content coming out all season long. So you guys are going to make sure that you're subscribed to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and log on to jackvita.com. At this time, I would love to welcome in our guest for the day, returning to the show for, I don't know, seventh time, eighth time, something like that, <laughs> uh, becoming a quick, quickly becoming a staple of the Jack Vita show. Jake Poliga, the biggest Philly fanatic there is. <laughs> I love the intro, Jack. I, as always, I appreciate you having me on. Excited to do uh, another AL Central preview. I want to say this might be the third, third one I've done. Third I think one. this is second AL Central. I yeah. didn't do it. I didn't do it three or two years ago. Maybe you did. I don't remember. <sighs> no, yeah, I, I had I had a Sox fan on for that one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah it was just last year then. But but everything, yeah. our concept of time has been thrown off so much with COVID. Like exactly, I remember. I hear, hear that all the time. It's so true. Well, did you, uh, of course, we'd love to have you on the NL East, but it's just so crowded. I mean, we had Jordan <laughs> and Mickey Morandini on the NL East ah, last week. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, you don't want to hear me just blab about the pills for uh, <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> you didn't get a chance to listen to any of that one, did you? Not yet, man. I've been right. in it, just insanely busy the past couple of, yeah. honestly, the past like two weeks. So It's all good. It happens. But thankfully, Thanks. the listeners are making time for us to listen. Uh, yes, sir. Great, even if you are not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, J- Jake, uh, first and foremost, the AL Central. I mean, we're just going to dive right into it. We're, we don't want to waste time. So, Taking a look at this division as a whole, where do you think it stacks up in terms of competitiveness? Is this the sixth best division? Is this the fourth best division? What, where do you think the AL Central stacks up um, across the league? I'm going to say it's the fifth best division. Uh, I think you put the NL Central as only one worse than them. And the only reason I say that, I think the NL Central has two teams that, you know, two playoff teams, two teams that at least should be in playoff, playoff contention. And with the AL Central, you know, the Twins, I don't know, still still a question mark. Only reason I put the AL Central is better is because I think there's a little more depth. You've got Bobby Wade Jr., you've got Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, you've got all these young guys coming up. I think it's uh, I think there's gonna be one team, at least one team in this division that kind of pops this year. Okay, it's typically the worst. I mean, well, last year the NL East was the worst. Yeah, <laughs> but they this had is, to, yeah had the World Series champ though. It's true. And they've had a lot of World Series champs over the last uh, <laughs> several years. Okay, so we are talking AL Central tonight. And this division, as we mentioned, is it's historically not the best. It's typically the fifth or sixth best division year in and year out. Can't remember the last time it was an extremely competitive division. Can you? <sighs> Got it. 
I would think... maybe like around 2014, 2015, yep. when you have the Royals and the and the Tigers. Those that was what I was gonna say. But still, the White Sox were pretty bad. The Twins weren't, you know, anything too special. Um, Indians were kind of on that, just right on the come up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's probably the last time I think last... they were, you know, a dominant division. Not dominant, but that was probably the last time. That was that's They're the best division. Yeah, best time they've had a good, really good division in a while. But we think this year it could be different. All right, so we're gonna go team by team, and let's get started with last year's team that finished at the bottom of the division, the Minnesota Twins, winners of seventy three games last year. Really, a team that had a lot of hype going into the season on them. I know. I think you and I both expected them to take a step back. We both had the, you had the White Sox too for the division, right? Yep. Yeah. We both went White Sox last year and they, they did, they took a much bigger step back than I think anyone expected. 73 wins, worst division in the AL central. What went wrong for them last year, Jake, and what's going to need to go right for them? Why should they be better this year? Uh, I'd start with pitching and I don't know if that really gets much better this year. Um, I think Joe Ryan, the the young kid who's starting on opening day, actually, it's uh, you know, that's exciting. But they traded Barrios last year. Um, it's going to be obviously a huge loss. Uh, they lost, or they've got Maeda coming back still, and you know the bullpens got Rogers. Bullpen lost uh, Robles last year. Couldn't even really tell you you know, too many other guys in that pen. <laughs> so I, I think that says enough right there. And I don't know. I think, but I think uh, just in general, you know, a down year kind of we expected didn't have too much talent on paper. And I think this year going in though, the signing of Correa, obviously huge healthy Buxton. That's how they get better. That's how, you if know, he stays healthy. Yep. If they, if Buxton can play even one twenty five this year, I think they're a playoff contender and same goes for Maeda. Just a lot of, a lot of guys on that team who really, you know, I've been had a lot of trouble staying healthy. And then, I don't know. I think they've done a pretty good job though, with a little short rebuild here, kind of getting some young guys, Austin Martin in there in the Barrios trade. And I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about, you know, their lineup at least. <laughs> should so be a you fun say one. Should bash. You want to get 120 out of Buxton? That's what you think yeah. they need. So I think they like need basically seventy five percent of the season. Yeah, I think if Buxton plays seventy five percent of the season, he's obviously going to play it at a high level. And well, uh, the thing is, don't don't well me, Jack. Byron Buxton is the truth. Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm not I'm not disputing his talents. I'm just was going to point out how many games he's played over the last. Yeah, four that's years. always that's the problem. Twenty the thing is 2018, 28 games. 2019, 87 games. So that's half a season. 2020, 39 out of 60. And then mm. last year, 61. So the last time he played, he's really only had one year where he's played over 100 games. And that was, he gave him 140 in 2017. That was his age 23 season. This will be his age 28 season. And he's been electric when he's on the field. And it's just kind of the same thing with Correa, just to a lesser, you know, lesser yeah. extent. Because Correa's also had injury problems, you know, up until very recently, he's he's had really big trouble staying on the field. 
And I feel like for the twins, this is the kind of year where they just, you know, hoping that, uh, hoping that, you know, everyone stays healthy. If they're a contender and everyone's healthy come deadline time, I can definitely see them buying. So Correa, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's had two years since he came up in 15, which seven years, oh, we'll, we'll say six because 2020 didn't really count because um, there's no way you could play 160 <laughs> in 2020 when you're only playing 60 games. But 2021, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, he's had two years where he played 148 and 153. And then beyond that, everything's been 110 or less. So your best two position players are guys who can't stay on the field consistently. I mean, doesn't mean that they won't this year, but they're going to need both of them in order to compete for this division crown. I would argue they're their best pitcher too. I think Maeda, even though he's not starting on opening day, I would argue that he's their, you know, best current pitcher right now. Well, he would be, he's clear. He's the guy you trust the most. Out of this yeah. Rotation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, he's that falls in that same category of guys who just can't, can't complete a full season. So it really is just one of those, you know, they're, they're hoping, wishing on a star season. So they picked up Dylan Bundy, Sonny Gray, Chris Archer, I, you know what? I would love, I would really, really, really. They got Archer. I would love a Chris Archer bounce back. Yeah, I forgot they got Archer. That was what, two and a half million, too? He got signed yeah. for something super small. Yeah. I remember seeing it. I was like, huh, Phyllis could have taken that, you know, <laughs> just get, use him as a swing man rotation depth. I like that move a lot, though. I'm surprised he didn't have, a, you know, at least more suitors you know well, last year he took maybe i don't know one year four or something like that it was a little more money uh but he was hurt the whole year he went back home to the rays and i was hoping that that would be the chris archer redemption year maybe it's this year i would love to see a chris archer bounce back now uh we don't know what to expect from him he's gonna have to stay healthy but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they get out of him i will say this Sonny Gray was fantastic in Oakland. And then he went to the Yankees and he dipped significantly. But then when he went to the Reds, he came back up, was once again a top 10-ish National League pitcher. Definitely a top 10 guy, I would say. And now he comes over to Minnesota. He's excelled in the smaller markets. And I think he's going to do well in Minnesota. Yeah, I can see it too. I I think the the Reds are just one of those organizations that get the best out of everyone from a pitching standpoint, unless your name's Luis Castillo, <laughs> and 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 so I I don't know I I kind of think that he's that at least that season was two years ago where he was a Cy Young candidate. I think that one's a little fluky, but I could easily see him coming back. I think like last year's stats were pretty online with with what I'd expect out of him this year, and I think it's a good I think good pickup. You know, it's a team that kind of needs rotational depth and like i said they're shooting or taking a chance here and he's a guy that has also you know struggled at times struggled to stay healthy but has been elite at times so twins are just kind of hoping that a couple of these guys just live up to their potential you know so the twins obviously they made a lot of noise really not it wasn't before the lockout it was like within the past several weeks so they had so they had a few months to think about what did they want to do here, and they decided we're going for it. So they went out and they they got Correa, and 
you know, we mentioned that Correa is a guy who has a, an injury history, but it's a good short-term commitment. It's front-loaded. You give him three years, and if he doesn't play much, yeah, it's going to hurt the team, but you're not eating $300 million like, you know, the Corey Seager got that gigantic deal with the Rangers. Yeah, 100%. I love the deal for the Twins. And I think I like to deal more even for Correa because Correa's got a 1,200 OPS at Target Field. Bash is there. And he's he's going to go there and, you know, not have really any pressure. And he's had a lot of pressure throughout his career, just especially being in the, you know, spotlight of the whole cheating scandal and everything. But I don't know. I think Correa's going to go there and he's going to absolutely mash. And I can definitely see it being a great move for the Twins. He could even be, I don't know if he has a no trade in there. I could see him waving a no trade and wanting to go to a contender at the deadline if he's if he's bashing, you know. And for all for all we know, it could you know could end up being an opt out after year one and Korea gets a ten year deal like he wants. But even at that, it's still you know low risk for the Twins. The other big makeover moves, obviously, we mentioned Sonny Gray, but it started with uh, flipping Mitch Garver for Isaiah Isaiah Kiner Falefa which I actually really like that trade one for one in terms of for the twins. And you get and, Gary in there. Well, that, that was before that trade. When I saw that, I was like, ooh, they got a IKR. I really like IKR, and I think he's a good pickup for the Yankees. So then they use that, and they are able to unload the Donaldson salary, go, go to the Yankees, and then they pick up Gary Sanchez. He's going to catch. And they also pick up Gio Urshela. Who I was blanking on. I almost called him Miguel Andujar uh, <laughs> because I'm those guys are. I mix them up, but Urshela comes over. He's a good player. So, and then <laughs> the other funny thing is the Yankees basically ate the Josh Donaldson contract to allow the Twins to make that Correa signing. So, very creative way to build. The, your infield, but I really like what they did. Yeah, I agree. And I think IKF is a really good piece, obviously, you know, it could be a great long-term piece even, but Gary Sanchez is a piece that who knows? I called him IKR. Oh my gosh. I, (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of, I know right acronym on, uh, (laughs) my bad. Oh yeah. IKF. I probably put IKR on the ALE's preview. too. Uh, but yeah, Gary Sanchez, I think has a great pickup there too. Cause we're what three years removed from him, him being a elite, elite catching prospect and not even a catching prospect. Or maybe I think it's 2018. He, yeah. He was 2017. He, he came up and he was a stud and he was, you know, one of the mo- more valuable players. 17, I think was that year that he really broke out and he was still pretty good next yeah, going in 18 too. And who knows, you get a guy who's who the, the whole entire, you know, the brutal fan base in New York just hates, pounds on, and, you know, can't get this guy break. And he goes to Minnesota, kind of relatively small market. I think, you know, who knows? So then, in addition to all of that, they've got Alex Kirloff, who looks like he could be, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next Buxton. And let's say Buxton ends up, Regardless of what happens with Buxton over the next few years, I think Kirloff is a rising star in this league. And the, he's going to, he could end up, if, let's say, if this team 
disappoints. If the Correa thing doesn't work out, if Buxton ends up being hurt for a good amount over the rest of his contract, Kirloff is the next guy, I think, in terms of fan favorite, key piece. I think he's legit, and he's going to be out there in the outfield. Sorry, I, I, I'll i give you a chance to weigh in on Kirloff here before we move on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big Kirloff fan. He's, you know, kind of been a highly rated prospect here for a couple of years now. And I'm not sure, is, is he going to play outfield or is he going to play first? That's a good question. First in that Doesn't lineup. matter. It was is Miguel Sano like what's going to happen with him? God, I don't even know. <laughs> Sano kind of reminds me of Gary Sanchez in that same like, you know, came up was unreal and then just kind of never found it besides hitting ball over the fence. <laughs> but uh, but another guy I want to touch on too, Trevor Larnick. He's kind of kind of a you know sleeper prospect for them. He came up last year. I think he got optioned down late in the season. But he's a guy who's got, you know, a really good hit tool. He's got a uh, great eye for the – he's got a great feel for the feel for the plate. And he's a guy I could definitely see coming up. And Twins just have a lot of guys like Larnick, like Kirilov, who, you know, could pop off. And if they get those guys to pop off combined with, you know, Gary Sanchez and a couple of these other guys to have, you know, to bounce back, it could be a really sleeper team. Yeah, in addition to that, they have three top 100 prospects. In, ad- in addition to all those guys that you mentioned and when I mentioned, Royce Lewis, Austin Martin, and Jose Miranda, those are three top 100 position players who are all expected. Oh, and pitcher Joe Ryan, who yeah, will probably... He's, he's starting yeah. on opening day. He is, yeah. So they got some young guys that'll be very interesting. Now... We'll see what happens with Ryan, but reg- even if they get a, if even if Ryan ends up being a breakout or a high impact rookie, their pitching staff is still going to need a lot of help. Maybe if they're like you said, if they're in that position to buy, and we have this extra wild card team now in the American League, there's a greater incentive to go for it. Maybe they're flipping a couple of these guys to add to their pitching depth. The team's going to score a good amount of runs, but. I I will say that they're going they're going to need Buxton and Correa to stay healthy. And Maeda, as you mentioned, they need all three to be healthy in order to compete for this division. I'm not banking on that. Let's get to the uh, over under total. Unless there's anything else you want to add on this team, Jake. Nope, I'll go with the over under. Okay, so it's eighty one and a half. And last year they won seventy three. I'm going to go with the under. I can't bank on Byron Buxton playing over half the games. I can't yeah. bank on Carlos Correa playing a full season. Can't bank on Kent Maeda. And that division is going to be deep. I think it's going to be, you know, tougher than tougher than you think to beat up on the Royals and the Tigers and the Guardians. <laughs> I would say in terms of wins, like this is my gosh. It's well, that's the other thing is let's say that those guys are hurt. Are they selling at the deadline? Yes, I think, I think so. so. Yeah. So really the first two months of the big key to the season, because if they are able to start hot, they, they stay healthy. Correa gives them a lot. Correa only builds off of last year, which was his best year. Then don't be surprised if you're seeing this team in first place early in the season or competing for the division. But it, it's too much of me having to say, 
well, if this goes right, if this guy stays healthy, if Sonny Gray is, is remains to be as good as he was in Cincinnati, if Chris Archer has a bounce back, there's just too much that I feel like I have to talk myself into with this team. And I would bank on them going under. So I will say, you know, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go hefty under, I'm going to say 75 wins. Mm. I'll say 78. I think they're going to be right on the, right on the cusp. I don't think, you know, I think they have enough offensive firepower, but it's going to be close. This is the, so far I've done six of these previews. This is the toughest team. I think in order to project their win total, because it's the, the ceiling is division champ win 90 games, maybe more the floor. I don't think it's a terribly low floor, but I do think that there's a version of this team that we mentioned, if they underperform that they're going to be dealing guys. And that's going to bring down that win total even further. Even 75 is, I mean, that's an, a win improvement from where they were last year. Last year, they were the worst team in this division. So I I'll go 75. I like it. No, you don't <laughs> You disagree. No, we're only three games different from each other. It makes sense. Okay. Let's go with the Kansas City Royals and what's not to be excited about if you're a Royals fan than the number one prospect in all of baseball, Bobby Witt Jr. We're going to see this guy very soon. And on draft day back in 2019, for those who don't know who Bobby Witt Jr. is, someone on MLB Network, can't remember who it was, probably Jim Callis or I don't know, Harold Reynolds. No, it wasn't Harold. I can't remember who it was, but they said this is uh, the Patrick Mahomes of the Royals. That's the kind of impact. And then Patrick Mahomes, he tweeted immediately after because he was watching the draft and he was he was pretty pumped up about this uh, draft pick. And he is not disappointed. He's been fantastic in the farm system, 21 years old. When are we going to see him, Jake? uh opening day jack and i think we're gonna see him pop off this year i think he's an absolute stud he's a guy who i uh who i tanked for in one of my fantasy leagues <laughs> so i could keep him last year and uh he's he's just he's got all the tools he seems like he has the the you know the it factor and i don't know there's just not a bad thing you could say about the kid right now Obviously, you know, he's going to be playing a really tough position coming up in the big leagues, learn how to play shortstop. And he's going to be, you know, hitting, hitting in a lineup that's not going to have a ton of protection. But I think he's still going to be a dog. And I think he's, he's what, like a super two plus 250 or something right now to win the AL rookie of the year. Pretty heavy favorite. So, so I, I think Vegas is definitely giving him respect too. You know, I think it's going to be really interesting in that AL, uh, <laughs> If that that rookie of the year race, we can talk it. We can touch on it right now. This has the potential to be like when you talk about Magic Johnson and Larry Bird coming into the league at the same time, where you have a highly contested rookie of the year. And I think this one now now we can't compare them to being the baseball versions of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird because that's too much to put on the shoulders of a twenty one year old, but. Bobby Witt Jr., Adley Rushman, who was also in that same draft. I think he was the number one pick, and Bobby Witt was number two. And Julio Rodriguez on Seattle, 
Spencer Torkelson on the Tigers. Those are your top four prospects in all of baseball. Riley Green, number five. And these are all guys who are going to be high impact players this year. The hope is that they will be. Who's going to be your AL Rookie of the Year pick, Jake? Um, so I actually have, uh, I've placed a wager on it and, uh, I did not take one of the favorites. Uh, I took Julio Rodriguez. I took him a couple of weeks ago, kind of anticipated him starting on an opening day and, uh, just happened a couple of days ago. And I think his odds shot down a little bit, but, uh, but I don't know. I think he's, I think he's just going to be an absolute five tool stud out in Seattle. And I think Seattle's got so, so much good young talent. That, you know they're going to be a team that kind of catches America's eye a little bit. I want to say, yeah. And and I don't know. It's going to be a really incredible race, like you said. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's Magic Bird race type thing. But uh, I'll take Julio. Yeah, I'm taking Julio too. I mean, I wasn't expecting to be agreeing with you this early in the show, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's where yeah. the value's at. I think we can both agree on that. He's got. He's got a little too long of odds. I think him and Bobby should be a lot closer than than what they are. Well, I also like what you said about they're going to be they're going to catch America's eye. I mean, last year the the uh, Safeco I almost called it the Kingdom. It's not the Kingdom. <laughs> T-Mobile but... Park. <laughs> oh, it's it's T-Mobile now. That's right. Yep. Oh my gosh, they change the name of these parks so frequently. I know. Well, then you get used to saying Safeco. Well, anyway, that place was rocking, and they had um, they have an amazing fan base. Fans all turned out for them. Those games were electric. And with Adley Rushman could bat three twenty and hit thirty homers. He's gonna be playing on Baltimore Orioles. So I mean, he would. Yeah. That, it, that's what it would take for Adley Rushman to win the award. Now, granted, he would be playing against some of those AL teams, but even then, I mean, Kansas City and Detroit middle America. And we'll talk about these teams in a second, but I'm also going to go Rodriguez. I think he'll with that team five tool. I think he's legit. And the Mariners have their second AL rookie of the year in three years. I agree. Okay. Back to the Royals. The Royals last year were a team that were interesting because they had a lot of bats on their team uh, with Salvador Perez hit all those home runs. I mean, he hit 40 last year. He hit a lot. Well, he tied for the league lead with Vladdy. I'm not, I think it was like yeah. 40 something. 40 something. Yeah. He had at least 40. Benintendi came over. They had Hunter Dozier and uh, Whit Merrifield, of course. And then they, they still had Jorge Soler. So we saw this as a team. This team can slug. Okay. Pitching staff, not there. I'd say the same thing with this pitching staff. Uh, there's, they did bring back Zach Greinke. I don't know if there's any of these young guys that you really like. Is there anyone here that you're interested in, Jake? Uh, Singer interests me a little bit. Um, I think he's, you know, flashed some flashed potential. Obviously, he's had some really bright starts, everything like that. But I don't think his ceiling's just too high. Other than other than Bobby Witt Jr., I mean. I don't know. The Royals, they've they've got some nice pieces like MJ Melendez might come up and catch for him this year. He's a top 10, 20 prospect, something like that. Um, but I don't I don't know. Royals just aren't a team that really excites me. And that's a big reason why I'm picking against Bobby in the in the race. Like 
like you said, Mariners are going to catch everyone's eye. And I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't know. I'm not, not too big on the Royals. I think Bobby's going to have to have a monster year. I love, I do love Whit Merrifield and I love Mondesi, but Mondesi's got the same thing as Buxton. He can never stand the field. And I'm hearing yeah. they might not even play him every day this year, even if he is healthy. Yeah. That's a that's a good point. I love Merrifield. And maybe they finally trade him at this point. I mean, that's been talked about for years. It's like, oh, the Cubs uh, trade for Whit Merrifield. And then yeah. the funny thing was I heard so many Cubs fans say that. And it's like, yeah, but the Royals don't want to trade Whit Merrifield. Now maybe they will. I mean, they're going to – it's tough. I mean, it's like with a team like Kansas City – I remember this quote in the Tom Verducci book he wrote about the Cubs. And there's a quote about how like Kansas city, it takes them like seven or eight years to rebuild. And you can't do that. If you're running a team like the Cubs, you got to be back in three years, Kansas city. There's a longer leash. And this, they had such a great team, but that was, that was seven years ago that they won the world series and they're going to need to, show some improvement. I don't know. I think they're probably going to be selling off some pieces at some point. I think this is the worst team out of these five. And I I remember last year, I was kind of excited. I was kind of interested in them. They also brought on Amir Garrett. Now, one thing I am interested in, Amir Garrett and Javi Baez are once again in the same division. And last we left things, they were contentious between these guys. Chris Rose asked Amir Garrett about this on the Chris Rose rotation within the past week. And Amir Garrett said, remember what Javi did last time. It's my turn now. Turn to celebration. <laughs> so he's, oh, I love it. I'm excited yeah. for that, man. Yeah. That's going lo- to be awesome. Having back in the same division. I would love to see those two as a pair on the amazing race together. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, it's good content. <laughs> All right, so the Royals. I I do think you mentioned Singer. He's interesting. Granky back home with the Royals. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, nothing really else to say about this team. Unfortunately, other than Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be a stud. He is a stud. Last year they won seventy four games. Their total is seventy four and a half. Are we locking the under on this, Jake? I'm probably going to have to. I think it's going to take – it's a tough one, though, because, you know, they've got Bobby Witt Jr. they got the reigning home run leader, brought back Cranky, Merrifield. Maybe Mondesi can stay healthy, but I, I definitely take the under. <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna go I'm going to go – yeah, sorry. I'm going to go 71. I'll go slightly below. I'll say 69. I like it. I like it. 69. So – we're close on a lot of these so far. That's good. Shows that we're uh, we know something. Feels good to have my opinions validated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and th- I think the other thing is that just with Kansas City is the teams around them got better. Cleveland maybe Cleveland didn't, but they're still managed by Terry Francona and they have great pitching. And I just don't think that I think people got better around them and I don't think they got significantly better. So yeah, yeah. they're last place for me. Yep. I agree with that. Okay. Detroit Tigers. You love this team, Jake. I know you do. <laughs> they're an exciting young squad. Uh, it sucks to see Riley green go down. I think he's going to be out for the first four to six weeks or something like that. 
that would that sucks because obviously I think he would have started out opening day. I think it would have been a big celebration with him and Torkelson, you know, the Bash brothers coming into Detroit <laughs> and everything. But uh, we'll have to wait a little bit on that. Tempers my expectations a little bit. I think they definitely could have been a sleeper playoff team without or uh, with a healthy Riley Green from day one. But I don't know, man. They've just got good pieces all around, kind of. The signing of Javi, who knows? You know, obviously, you're not a big Javi guy. I'm not a huge Javi guy. But with with a lot less pressure, and he's, he's still an electric ball player. And with a lot less pressure, you know, kind of mentoring a lot of these young guys kind of excites me. And then Tariq Skubal, uh, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Fulmer out of the pen, Soto. They got the pieces, man. Jake, let's talk Javi. You bring him up. Here's the way I function. I like to buy low, sell high, like I'm a stock trader. Sometimes I zig when other people zag. And my take on Javi has always been he's a really good player. Three years ago, there was a common belief that he was an elite player in this league. And I never thought that that was the case. Now I feel like it's come around. And so many people are lower on Javi that I actually feel like I'm a little higher on him than other people might be. Because while I do think, I don't think he's an elite defensive player because he doesn't gobble up balls as consistently as some other guys. Obviously he's a highlight reel. He's fantastic and so exciting to watch. But here's the thing that I really am interested in. Javi's had an issue with striking out and not drawing any walks. That's the big thing. You know that he's going to swing at everything. If you know that he's going to swing at everything, don't give him anything to hit. And that's what we saw for the last two, three years in Chicago. Well, Javi goes over the Mets last year and he has a 371 OBP in 47 games with the Mets and a 298, 299 batting average for that matter. He drew a lot of walks. He took, let's see, he walked 15 times over 91 games with the Cubs. And then 47 games, he walked 13 times. So he all of a sudden was exercising this plate discipline that he hadn't shown in years. And you know what that tells me, Jake? Here. Change of scenery. I think change of scenery is a good thing for Javi Baez. I agree. I think, I think pressure wise, you know, you could argue he's the type of guy who, who drives on that, but I don't know. I think, I think it's always a good, good thing for a guy to go guy who guy in a hobby situation where he's been doubted a lot in the past two years, especially, and he fell off a high pedestal. You know, a lot of people were, like you said, calling him elite. And then in the last two years, it's been wow. Reverse complete, you know, reverse end of the spectrum. I completely agree with you. I, th- I think he could, you know, have a great year, kind of bounce back and, uh, and you know, hit right in the middle of a really good Tigers lineup. You know, it's fascinating. His season where he finished second in MVP voting, he batted 290 with a 326 OBP. Um, he did have 111 RBIs. To, but that wasn't like... 34 homers. That wasn't like the second best year in the whole in the whole National League. Like I did a piece on this last year and there were probably six or seven guys who 
statistically I thought had better years than Javi. I don't know that. I think that was a product of the hype and all of that, but that type of player is still a really good player. Obviously he might not be MVP Cal. He might not be an MVP. What do you, what's your expectation for Javi? I'll, I'll give you mine. I think he bats 275, 30 home runs, 310 OBP. OBP is still not great, but he's going to, I think he'll give him, I that's a really good player. It's an all-star caliber, caliber player. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to play really good defense. He's going to be a, you know, sneaky, just intangibles player, kind of on the base pads in the clubhouse, be a, you know, good asset to, to the team. Now he's going to hit right around 270. I think maybe even a little lower, but he's still going to yeah. have an impact. He's going to drive in a lot of runs. And he's going to hit some dingers, and he's going to make a lot of highlight real plays that'll sell tickets and kind of get that city back in on the Tigers, you know? Well, the the other thing is, I mean, he could bat 250, and if he's able to draw walks and get on base at 350 OBP, I mean, that's that's an even better player than he was when he wasn't drawing the walks and he was hitting for a higher average. Yeah. So, I mean, they're also upgrading. I got a text from a Tigers fan earlier today. Nate Smith was like, I'm just thankful that we're not counting on Zach Short every day at shortstop. <laughs> so they bring on a guy who is a very good player. They've got a lot of really great young pieces that you mentioned, several that we're going to see this season. Austin and, Meadows trade too. Can't forget that one. Yeah, I almost did. That was very interesting. What do you think Tampa's doing there? I think Tampa's making room for Josh Lowe. He is a stud. Should have mentioned it when we were talking about AL Rookie of the Year, but he's absolute dark horse candidate at plus eight thousand. I think he's a, he's a five tool stud. He's kind of raked in the minors the last two years, and they just haven't had room for him. But he's going to come up and he's going to be an asset right away with his legs and his glove, obviously. And I think Josh Lowe is the guy that he's the reason that they uh, they got rid of Meadows. They called him up to the big leagues the uh, same day. You know what's funny is. I don't even remember the name of the guy who they got back in that trade. And I texted. Yeah. Isaac Paredes. He's going to be a stud too. Okay. So he's big time. He's good. Yeah. Okay. So they're getting something. Of course, Tampa is all the time, (laughs) but you're adding another nice bat to this lineup. The thing I remember with Detroit last year is they started out the season atrocious. They had a historically bad April. And then for the rest of the season, I could be wrong, but. I think they had a winning record in each month. At, at the very least, they didn't have a losing record in each month, the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. AJ Hinch did a really good job in his first year with that club. You've got some very exciting young pieces. Their pitching rotation is a, I mean, we should talk about these guys Tariq Scoobal, Spencer Turnbull, Casey Mize. They pay big money. Well, not huge money, but they go out and they add Eduardo Rodriguez. Honestly, don't love that one as much. I mean, that's I thought they maybe overpaid for it. You like the pitching staff? Yeah, I do. I think they've got three good young, you know, high end, high potential guys in Mize, Manning, and Scooble. I really like Scooble. And um, and then I think I think Eduardo, you could definitely argue is an overpay. But he's one of those guys who has you know, he kind of shines in the advanced analytics department. I, I'm there. 
it's like the Zach Wheeler thing. When the Phillies signed Zach Wheeler, I was like, eh, like, all right, five, five, 110. Like, what are we doing here? You know, we're not really in win now. And he hasn't put together a full season ever. I can see that same type of thing happening mm. here. I can see Eduardo Rodriguez having his career year in these next, in this next year or two. And I think they've got a nice little rotate or nice little bullpen. So I actually do like the pitching and, and I think, What's their over under? Because I actually haven't looked at that one, and that's one that if it's low enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to mention they they added Andrew Chafin to their bullpen. Yep, yeah. and Greg, forgot about that one, but that's a really nice one. That was I wanted him, the Phillies to get him pretty bad. Yeah, he's a beast. And Gregory Soto was their closer a year ago. I got him in mm-hmm. fantasy. Their total this year is seventy seven and a half. Really. I'm Hammer. going over, man. That's easy. Oh, yeah. I would have guessed 80 and a half, I think. I would basically, yeah, I would have guessed that too. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to go right after it, Jack. I'm going to say 86 wins. 86? I like it. I'm going 80. into the playoffs. <laughs> We've been so close together on these picks. I'm going 84. I don't I like think... It. I don't think that this team is competing for the division title. I think they're a year away from that. But I think that a year from now, we're going to be talking about, hey, Detroit Tigers. They were like the Mariners last year. They A lot of people might not have been expecting it. They showed up a year early. That's entirely possible. There is, I do think that there is a, they could be a team that sneaks into the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to go there quite yet. I'm not going to commit to it until I see it. But I think 84, which would be seven over that total, I think that's a pretty safe pick. I agree. I think it has actually haven't, like I said, I haven't really dug too deep into the team total over unders, but that's got to be my favorite one right now outside of Philly. Well, the best one is 97 and a half Dodgers. Ah. Uh, I think so too, but (laughs) (laughs) that's a great one, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping they hit the under there. The Phillies fan, now that we're in, <laughs> now that we're in contention, Jack, it's all it's all against the Dodgers. <laughs> okay, so we we like the Tigers; they'll be fun to watch. And then, yeah, again, I think next year we're talking about them as a team that could creep up and win the division. And I I really would not be surprised though if they show up a year early. I mean, with no what they what they have in terms of talent, I mean, we talk about these young guys with um, Torkelson, Riley Green, the pitching staff with Casey Mize, Turbull, Scooble, maybe Rodriguez gives them that. Yeah. Turnbull too. I honestly forgot about him. He's a, he's a solid pitcher though. Very solid. Are we talking themselves ourselves into going even higher on them? <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Do you want to stick at eighty six, or do you want to go above that? I'll stay eighty six. All right, I'll stick at eighty four for that as well. Um, gave the number. Okay, let's keep moving along. The second place team a year ago, they finished eighty and eighty two. That's your second place team in the AL Central. The Cleveland Indians last year, and now they're the Guardians. And actually, there are a lot of fans in Cleveland who say. They're not going to refer to them as the Guardians. They're still going to be the Indians. They're still going to bring out their Indian stuff. I support them with that. I mean, Valpo, Valpo just became the Beacons. 
I'm not like running to go get beacons gear. I'd rather wear my crusaders gear. Yeah, hundred percent. And if they were gonna change the name, change it to the spiders. Come on, someone's <laughs> gotta honor the Negro Leagues. And that was the coolest name. That was one of the iconic teams of the Negro Leagues. What the the Guardian, <laughs> like do you know why they, they're the Guardians, Jake? I yeah, some guardian of traffic or something. <laughs> ridiculous okay so for those who don't know if you've seen major league there's an opening shot they're showing the the shots of cleveland and they show those two gargoyles by the bridge that they have there those are the city's guardians that's what the guardians are that's like a staple of cleveland and i think what they wanted was they wanted a name that they didn't have to entirely change the way that the word looked or the font or whatever. So you still have DNs at the end. I guess that they thought that that would be enough that people wouldn't be upset. But when I went to the Cleveland game two days after they made that announcement, everybody was ticked off and I didn't hear a single person that was happy that they were changing the name. I don't know why you would be. I mean, (laughs) that's, just it's just not a i couldn't imagine calling my team the guardians you know (laughs) i think they gotta do some kind of partnership with marvel with guardians of the galaxy yeah i mean that's the first thing that pops into probably 75 percent of people's head when they hear guardian i mean you have the president's race out in washington and then of course the sausage race if you start having a guardians race where you can meet uh groot and rocket and all these characters, Star Lord at the games, then the people might buy in. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. So I think that I'll, I'll I'll give a counter to this though. Is it possible that a name change is what they need to do in order to shed their culture of disappointment? When they Tampa Bay Rays rebranded as the Rays right after the Devil Rays. They went to the World Series in the first year. <laughs> no, I think it's gonna. Have, I think it's gonna be spend money. I think <laughs> that's gonna. And hey, we saw it today. They uh, extended J Ram, so that's exciting. At least they've got they've got some nice pieces. They've got Bieber and J Ram, which are obviously incredible players. You know, top probably twenty players in baseball, twenty five. But other than that. I don't know. I mean, got some nice, nice young chips and everything like that, but no free agent signings, Jack. Like they didn't fill any holes this year. And it's just, I I don't know. I see them right in the middle of the pack there in the AL central. And I just don't see them doing too much damage this year outside of Bieber. Savali is a nice piece. I think Savali is, you know, I think he kind of broke out a little bit last year and I think we've got a little more coming now, but yeah. I don't know. Like Bobby Bradley has got problems as is. Uh, is I think Mercado is still there is probably going to be playing center every day. He's got problems too. Like there's no bat in that lineup that really scares me. You know, this is one of the smartest front offices in the game. People Mm -hmm. have been over the last five years wanting to hire everyone that comes out of that front office in some kind of who, Maybe they were an assistant and now they become a GM somewhere. Cubs picked up their GM from the Indians to fill the Jed Hoyer spot. But my, my question is, I don't really know what their plan is right now because you have a window here 
where you've got Quantrill, Plesak, Savali, Bieber, and if Tristan McKenzie's able to break out and give you something, I mean, that was a guy who not too long ago was a, a big time prospect. You've got those guys controlled for at least a few years here with that's that's a great rotation at its best. Now, I know Plesak struggled last year and McKenzie's he's he struggled quite a bit last year as well. You've got Bieber. My goodness, their rotation is so good that last year they won 80 games with really nothing in their batting order. I mean, I went to a game and <laughs> it was like that scene in uh, in Major League where they're like, who are these effing guys? <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. But oh, yeah. you're good. Yeah, no, it's it, it's true. It's It's a sad lineup, I think. Uh, Med Rosario and Jimenez are probably the next two best hitters in that lineup, maybe, or like not. E- I don't even know if, I mean, Bobby Bradley probably, but it's just off of a little small sample size. And I don't know, there's really no one in that lineup, like I said, outside of JRM that I fear. Uh, McKenzie, it's a good point with him. You know, he's kind of got some upside there. And Savali missed a lot of time last year and they still won 80 games. And obviously the bullpen's elite, but. I don't know, man. I, I just don't see them hit, hit score enough runs to keep up with teams. I just don't get what you're doing, though. If you have this pitching rotation, which, I mean, did they give Bieber an extension? Are they paying him or? Not yet, but yeah. I'm sure they will. So they're they're not really paying anyone on their pitching staff, and they have a top five last year. Was this a top five rotation, top ten rotation? With that, with a with a. Shane Bieber down year too. Yeah. And, and a great bullpen. So what are you doing with your money? How are you filling out your team? Why aren't you trying to build in the lineup? I know you don't, I know they don't have a lot of money and I don't like to put pressure on teams to spend money. I just don't understand really what the plan is because you could have a window here. The, the lineup's not good enough. I mean, maybe they're going to make me eat crow for this take. I don't know. I don't think I don't think they will. But then at the other side of things, they're not going all the they're not going the other way where they're selling off pieces and trying to rebuild. That's why that's why I'm so confused. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they should have sold J Ram. I think they I heard actually a couple of days ago that uh, Blue Jays were in talks and Blue Jays have a top 10 uh, prospect in baseball at the catcher position. Blue Jays have just loads of young talent. Kevin Biggio would have essentially been a free throw in. He's got upside. I don't understand why, you know, and I, I, obviously there's a lot of stuff that we don't know, but I would pull the trigger on something like that. J Ram would be the most sought after player on the market by far. One of the best players in baseball. And they're just, eh. and he took a hometown discount. So, so now I think it's time. If I'm J Ram, I'm taking a hometown discount. You have to build around me. If yeah. if they're not if they're not spending money, I'm going to be furious. You know, you've got Shane Bieber there. You've got a great rotation. You've got Class A in the bullpen, and probably the, arguably the best reliever in baseball, and or outside of Josh Hader, the best right-handed reliever in baseball. Yeah. Well, he could but, be. He could be the best reliever in baseball this year. Yeah. You called it last. Year. Yes, sir. <laughs> and and I don't know, man. Like. I'd be disappointed if I was an Indian or if a Guardians fan <laughs> for many reasons. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So 
They do have one prospect coming up who's a top 100 guy, Gabriel Arias. Gabriel Arias. Arias? No, Arias. Gabriel Arias, he's an infielder. He should be up sometime this year, 22-year-old righty. They do have some other top 100 prospects, but they're not – oh, Tyler Freeman also, another one who's supposed to come up this year, another infielder. So maybe they're thinking that next year – they're going to spend a little bit and some of these guys can get up to the show. Cause they do have two, they have three other they've okay. So they have five top 100 prospects and two of them are supposed to be up this year. So maybe they're thinking that next year with some of this, you know, young talent coming up through the pipeline that then they go for it. Then they bring in some guys, but it just good, feels. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a good point. I think that's, they, they don't want to spend big two years in a row. I can see him going out next year, making some small level deals and maybe making some, you know, one year, one year proven deals, kind of like the Braves have been doing. And I think that's how they're going to have to come back, you know? Yeah. It, but at the same time, it still just feels like, I mean, I know there's a plan. This front office is too smart to, to not have a plan to just be Absolutely. rolling with what they're going with. So that's probably what they're doing, but at the same time, I mean, with, with with all that said, they were an 80-win team last year. They didn't do anything to improve their roster from a year ago. Did they? Nothing. Why should they be better than they were last year? Yeah. Uh, a healthy Savali, a bounce-back Bieber, those are the only two reasons I could give you. But I mean, you could get bounce-back from Plesak, too. I mean, I think Plesak's really good, and he had a 4-6 ERA last year. I forgot I'm, that he did that poorly. I'm a big anti please that guy, although I'm, you know, it's tough because he's a region rat and everything. <laughs> but uh, I just don't think he's a good pitcher personally. Did but. you ever face him? No. Jordan. But I, I actually uh, dated his, uh, <laughs> I, da- I dated his cousin, uh, Madeline, please that. And uh, shout out Madeline. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I uh, was supposed to go to prom with her, man. This is, this is a bad story. I shouldn't be saying this, but <laughs> I was supposed to go to prom with her senior year, and uh, I ended up bailing. It would have been like my third prom, and just didn't have the didn't have the money. Even you know, it's a lot a lot of money to do that too. And uh, and and I just kind of had to, you know, we were talking a little bit, so I had to break things off, and I just did it at a really bad timing, too uh, too soon before prom. And Zach, please, Zach, uh, he sent me some mean messages. <laughs> <laughs> but here, listen to this. Best part of the story, the guy that she ended up going to prom with, she's uh, getting married to. She found a, she met this guy and, and they went to prom within like a week's notice and they're getting married now. So thank me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Jake Poliga. And is that Dan's <laughs> daughter? Uh, no. So Dan's, Dan's a a little bit of a family friend. Um, uh, Natalie, Natalie, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Natalie's, Natalie's a daughter that's a year older than me. Um, it's, I think they're cousins or something. Please act family runs big in the region. They've got a lot of them. (laughs) It does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can't believe you just told that story on here. That's great. <laughs> uh, not Madeline Plezak either. I said Madeline Plezak. Madeline Brownlee. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. sorry. Yeah, sorry if I uh, 
Sorry for listening to this, Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you that she is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So in the Guardians last season, my goodness, I'm gonna get that wrong so many times this year. Me too. The Guardians 80 winners of 80 games. So I I mean their pitching staff could go even up from a year ago and they might I don't know. I feel like it showed last year, and part of it was that the the division was down, and we like Minnesota and Detroit to be better. So maybe that could be a, a downtick from a year ago. Their total is seventy six and a half. What do you think? Eighty last year, seventy six and a half this year. I think it's gonna be right around there. But if I had, if I had to choose, I'd I'd probably take the under just for reasons like you said. I think the division is gonna be a lot tougher. And I don't think they got any better. I don't think they got better, but I think the I think the rotation and the pitching staff, unless they have unless they do something wild and they were to trade a couple of these guys, I think that's still going to keep them close to five hundred because we saw it a year ago. Actually, I made this argument last week when I previewed the NL East. The I kind of feel like the Marlins are going to be like that this year where I think their pitching staff is going to keep them close to 500. I don't know what you think about that, but I, I, I Marlins have a great young pitching staff. I don't know if six is going to pitch this year though. So we'll see, but they still have so much young talent there. I I'd agree with that. I think it's the same type of thing with the Indians too. No hitting, but they're deep, you know, both, both ends pitching bullpen and rotation. So this is like, the opposite of the twins where the twins are the high floor or the high ceiling team where it's very volatile. It could be something where they could win Mm -hmm. 90 games. It could win 70 games. I feel like Cleveland is a pretty safe bet to be somewhere between 70 and 80. Um, I'm going to go on a little higher. I'll go slightly above. I think that's 76 and a half is a really great number. And I will go 78 wins for the Cleveland guardians. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 75. I think it's going to be right under, I think they're going to be a team that ends up selling off a piece or two, maybe if they even have it at the (laughs) deadline, trying to try and bring in some young guys, controllable contracts, everything like that. So I I just don't think they have the offensive firepower by any means. And they're one Jose Ramirez injury away from being the worst lineup in the league. The other thing that's weird to me is there are a number of guys who were big league players just a couple years ago who are in AAA right now or they're not even on a team. If I'm a team like Cleveland, I'm stockpiling those guys just for as a like a one year contract. I got to feel the team this year. Yasiel Puig, put him on this team. Let's see what what did what did, what could Puig give you if he has a good first half? You trade him. What do you think, Puig? Another one, uh, Addison Russell. I'd bring in I'd bring in as many platoon guys as I could. I I would try and do a little bit what the like what the Rays are doing. It's realistically, as much as we're saying, you know, they're a pretty safe bet to finish 780, but they have the rotate they have the pitching in general to be a really good team if they can get outlier years in the in their lineup. So if they can have a couple of these, you know, guys having career years, a nice run a nice platoon, maybe even make a few additions. Throughout the season, I think, you know, who knows? But I'm still taking the under. (laughs) Okay. The other name I was going to throw out there was Albert Almora. 
Almora's in AAA with the Reds, or he hasn't been sent down yet, but or probably has been at this point. And then uh, the Cubs picked up Stephen Brault, and he's going to start the year in AAA. I just think Stephen Brault's a lot better than a triple, like a lot of guys at the major league level. So if I was the Indians, I would be picking up as many of those fringe minor league contract MLB roster guys who have already had success in this league and just trot them out there. See what you got. I agree with you. I think that's a good point. Honestly, I think that more teams should do that. Okay. The final team in this division who won the AL central, they won one playoff game last year. I think it was one. They lost in four. Yeah. They won one at home. They won that one game at home. John Cusack went viral. (laughs) What a time to be alive for the White Sox. 93 wins a year ago. And really, for the last two months of the year, they really didn't play any meaningful games after that Yankees series. They played in the middle of summer. I think that hurt them. The thing that I think is going to play in their favor is the fact that, like we said, Detroit and Minnesota got better this year. So you're going to see, you're going to have a little more. Now, look, with these win totals, every team we've put, although we put, I put Detroit at 84, but the other three teams still below 500. But we have Minnesota improving. And again, same thing with Minnesota. They could end up being great this year. Like that, Minnesota has a high ceiling. But with these teams improving, that's going to push the White Sox in some regards. They're going to have more meaningful games down the stretch. I actually think if Detroit is able to push for the division crown, that's going to prep the White Sox better from the postseason than where what they kind of <laughs> they didn't really get prepped very well the last two months of the year. Yeah, they were able to sleepwalk into it last year and right off the bat, I mean the, the Guardians started hot. I think they were actually right in right in the division race for the first, you know, 2-3 months of it and then it just and it ended bad. I mean, I think yeah. the last 3 months of the season it there was it wasn't even close. I think they were probably the first team to clinch their division too. But yeah, and I think that's a good point you bring up there is is competition obviously, you know, sharpens sharpens the knife or sharpens the blade and it's gonna it's gonna help everyone. And I think it'll definitely and they also have that thing where in 07 the Phillies got swept and the they went to the playoffs for the first time, got swept, ended up winning the World Series in 08. And they always talk about how if they didn't go to the playoffs in 07 and get swept, they wouldn't have, you know, knew how to handle it, had that uh that flame flame burning throughout the offseason. So I think the Sox are going to be right there. Sox are, in my opinion, probably the best value to come out of the AL. I would, mm. I would personally say, because they're, because the because way I look at Vince it is, <laughs> uh, the way I look at it though, is they're really the only true lock outside of the Astros to, to make the playoffs. I think you can pretty much pencil in the Sox and, I think they have, once Lance Lynn gets healthy, I think Kopech's due for a breakout year here. I think they have the pitching, they have the bullpen, and they have the lineup, obviously. And they're just, they still have a couple guys who could break out in that lineup. So I think they're going to be right there at the end of it. I'm not entirely sold on the pitching staff come postseason time. I The one I have the most confidence in is Lance Lynn. Giolito's going to, he's a good postseason starter, but Honestly, I'm I'm curious. I think we'll see, we'll find out 
if Cease ends up being a guy who stays in the rotation because some people think he may end up being a bullpen piece. Michael Kopech, I'm excited to watch that guy this year. I really <laughs> hope that we see – I just love to see Kopech tap into what a lot of us think he can be. I mean, that would be so exciting. Keuchel really had a down year last year. We'll see if he can bounce back. And then the other thing with this team is that they're not a great defensive club. And, you know, they went out and they got A.J. Pollock. So they they did make that move with they traded Kimbrell last week straight up for Pollock one for one. And they're going to have Aloy and Robert healthy this whole year as opposed to last year. So they should be better in theory, but it's still not an amazingly great defensive team. I think that's a thing that hurts teams come postseason time is when you have the the guy who makes the one error and then all of a sudden it opens the floodgates. Another team scores four runs in that inning. Um, And then, yeah, I'm not entirely sold on their pitching staff come postseason time because even with Giolito, Cease, Kopech, those guys could be fantastic in the regular season, but uh, Giolito's he's a little older, so he's a, I mean, he's 20, he'll be 28 this year, but none, there's just not a lot that I've seen from those guys in terms of postseason experience. Um, so I, I honestly, I'm not entirely sure where I think they're going to land. And I actually, I know they need an outfielder, but AJ Pollock, he doesn't play a lot of games. I mean, he yeah. thrived in LA cause he was able to platoon um, but he's had an injury riddled past. He's only played north of 150 games once in his career when he played 157 in 2015. And the next highest total is 137. And after that, 117 last year is the most he played. So you're you're that's that's a concern. Um, and I actually kind of liked I know I know they traded Kimbrell, but I kind of liked the strategy they were going with. I know they brought in Joe Kelly just beefing up that bullpen crochets having Tommy John. So he's going to be out. I right. He's having Tommy John, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. So I kind of liked having, I I feel like you can never have enough um, bullpen guys. And so if your rotation is a little shaky, a little questionable, that's the best thing you can have is to have a Kimbrel. And I actually feel like they blew the Kimbrel thing because if you look at his career, he's been a ninth inning guy his whole career. And last year they were pitching him in the eighth inning as a setup guy to Hendricks, and it didn't work out well. <laughs> I kind of feel like Kimbrell is going gonna to be so vintage Dodgers to, to get a great year out of Kimbrell. Um, so I don't know. I think that they're a slam dunk to win the division. Their total is 91 and a half. I'll go above that. I think they should be better than they were a year ago. But I still think I think that these problems, some of my concerns, are still going to be there come postseason time. But I do think the AL is wide open for someone to go out and take it. Yes, and that's that's where I come from. Is I think you know the obviously I have some question marks in the rotation too. But I look at all the other rotations in the AL, and I, although I do love the Astros rotation, I think there's holes in every single one of the contenders' rotations. And then I think just the bullpen before the crochet injury, I thought it might be the best bullpen in the league and obviously the Kimmel trade, but you brought in Kendall Graven too, who quietly oh, had right, a, yeah. a absolutely dominant season last point. year. 
Yeah. And he's a guy that he's, he's a stuffed guy. So I don't think it's just going to, you know, completely evaporate. And the lineup, like Eloy, Luis, um, one other guy I think is still due for breakout. Um, I, I would just say pitching, but Eloy and Luis both kind of still do for that breakout. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I and, mean, Eloy last year, we were talking about him as a potential MVP type of guy. Yeah. And then he was out for most of the year. No, hundred percent. Spring training. And, and I know you're not big on Cease, but I, uh, I, I like Cease. I just said, I just think it's going to be interesting if he ends up uh, being a starter or a reliever. That's all I said. Yeah, and I think he's he's still got the high potential. Yoan Moncada is another guy too, who he had a lot of a lot of luck last year, his BABIP and everything, but still a guy who is a I think he was the number one prospect in baseball for a little while there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know who knows who knows if he breaks out or not not even breaks out, but you know it takes another step forward like he kind of has been. Eloy Luis, and then you got Cease Kopech. I'm just I'm I'm picking the socks. But essentially based off of hoping for a couple of breakouts. Yeah, and it could come. I mean, it was year four that Anderson broke out, mm-hmm. and Tim Anderson. So, yeah, Mankata could be a late bloomer where he really is able to tap into something. Team's going to be really good. Last year, I picked them to win the AL, and I ended up regretting it. I'm not going to pick them to win the AL this year. Um, so we'll transition here and talk postseason stuff. But first, we got to give the total 91 and a half. I feel like I could go. This feels like a pretty easy over, I think. I think this is like a 90. They won 93 last year. Now, granted, some teams got better. Two teams got better in this division, we think. But we don't think Kansas City got better. We don't think Cleveland got better. So why wouldn't they win 93 again? Honestly, why wouldn't they win more with some of these position players healthy the whole season. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think if it weren't for a Lance Lynn injury, I'd be calling on hundred right here, Jack, but uh, I'm going to have to go with 97. I'm going to say and Lance Lynn's <laughs> We're 90, so 90. close. I went <laughs> I said 96. Uh, ha, ha. I like it. Yeah. Great minds think alike. Yeah. And this is also a situation where, okay, so we're looking at this division. Some teams got better. It's not a great division. There was such a weird, like, no real... A lot of times in the AL, there's less of a middle tier. There are a lot of teams that are great, high win total, and really bad win total. So we can end up scrapping. I mean, we we went mid-tier with two of these teams in this division, so maybe we end up being wrong. But, I mean, I, I, I think that the Sox will have a high win total. Was what I agree, 100%. All right, Jake, we got to talk postseason. Who are your six... AL postseason teams. I'm going to go with the White Sox winning their division, Astros winning theirs, and then I'm going to go with Toronto winning theirs. So that's my three division winners. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put the Yankees and the Rays in. Um, and I think th- this this last one's the toughest for me, honestly. I think I think the Red Sox could get it, but I think that division is going to be too tough. One of those four te- I don't see four teams making it. Um, no, I'm going to I'm going to go with Seattle. Honestly, I think Seattle's got enough young talent and got enough good pitching too. They made a lot of really good moves this year. I think Seattle 
or I could see the Angels in, but I'm going to stick with Seattle. All right, very good. So I have minus, I think, the same six teams, actually. Stop me if I – did you have the Rays in there as a playoff team? Yep, wild card. Yeah, all right. So I went Rays best best record in the AL for the second straight year. Blue Jays will be right behind them, so they're my top wild card. White Sox, two. Astros, three. So I think uh, yeah, Rays, Sox, Astros, the wild cards, Blue Jays, Mariners, Yankees. So stick with me here. AL playoffs, I got Astros and Yankees and Jays and Mariners. I'll go Jays and Astros, which would set up Rays versus the Jays. And then uh, Sox <laughs> versus the Astros the second straight year. I'm going to go with, I'll go with the Rays and man, I'm, I'm a little tempted. I, you know what? Let's do it. Let's say Sox go to the ACL, ALCS, beat the Astros. Cause it's so, the only reason I'm saying this, it's so hard to beat the same team twice in the playoffs, back to back years. You got to yep. be on the, you got to catch the breaks. I guess the Sox, Sox are going to finally win a postseason series. Take a step in the right direction, but not get through the AL. So I'm going to go with the Rays returning to the World Series. Nice. I like it. I think the Rays could absolutely do it. Yeah. And actually, I don't know. I could also see the, the Jays could beat the Rays. That'd be Jays and Rays. That could be. Yeah. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a Jays Astros ALCS and I'm going to take the Astros to repeat. Wow. Okay. All right. So National League. And I also want to do this. I want to give I want to mention some revisions I have from my previous picks because I did change my mind on I, mainly one thing, and that's that I had picked the Brewers to win the division. I actually changed my mind. I'm going with the Cardinals. Hmm. You look surprised. Very. I think that they win it one last time. Pujols, Molina, and could be Wainwright's last year, too, for that matter. Sounds like a nostalgic pick there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they won 90 last year, and they're going to have a healthier team this year, I, I would expect, um, especially their pitching rotation, getting Dakota Hudson back and eventually getting Flaherty back. I mean, we covered that already. So I'm going to go. That's my one revision. Everything else is remaining the same. So I have Dodgers, Braves. Cardinals, those are your division champs in that order. Brewers, top wild card. Second wild card, Padres. Third wild card, Phillies. That's my NL. Point. I like it. Hey, give, give my Phil some love. Got to <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, so to touch on the, I'll, I'll start with the NL Central. To touch on that, I think the I think the Cardinals. It could go one of two ways. You know, you could look at it and say, oh, without September last year, they were a very, very middling, you know, declining team. Or you could look at it and say, wow, they had an insane September. They're riding a, you know, heat wave into the postseason. Very well could have beat the Dodgers in the wild card game, and. I don't know. You know, that's what worries me a little bit, but I'm actually taking the Brewers to win a hundred games and win this division. And then I'm going to take the Phillies, obviously. I think the Phillies are going to win a gauntlet NL East. I think the Braves are going to. So you have Phillies winning the NL East? 
Yeah, I think the Mets with Scherzer and DeGrom. Jake Paliga uh, is back, my friend. Back. <laughs> I think with Scherzer and DeGrom, uh, you know, not starting the season, I think it's just going to be a classic Mets situation where they can't get anything right. Braves are going to have a little bit of a championship hangover. No Freddie. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think Charlie Morton hopefully takes finally has that regression here. And then obviously I'm going to take the Dodgers in the West. And then my three playoff teams, I'm going to take the Braves. You can't, it's tough for me to bet against the, that world series champs getting back a top three player in baseball. Um, and I'm going to take the Mets too. I think there's going to be three teams out of the East and then I'm, and then, I, and then that's where it gets tough between the Giants and the Padres. And I'm probably, I think I'm going to take the Giants, to be honest. I think the Padres, with missing Tatis for that much time, I think they're both their rotations, a lot of question marks outside of Darvish and Musgrove, I guess. But I'm going to I'm, I'm going to take the Giants. I think they've got great young pitching. And I trust in Gabe. And then I'm going to take uh, – I'm going to take – I'm going to go Dodgers-Brewers. Wait, give me the go, teams one more time. Give them to me quickly. Uh, so I'm going to go with Dodgers to win the West, Phillies to win the East, Brewers to win 100 in the Central, and I'm going to go with Mets, Braves, uh, Giants. That's my last cards. Mets, Braves, Giants. So no Central team. No Central team. I don't. I'm I'm on the on the thought. I'm in the thinking of this is too much nostalgia in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just think they got hot at the. Right I'm time. telling you, I think that that's. I feel like that is a common thought from a lot of people right now. I mean, everyone I've talked to, I feel like lately has been saying that same thing. And I, you know, well, they do have a new manager, Ali Marmal. You know, he's going to use that as bulletin board material. No one believes in us anymore. We can't do it. They say we can't do it. I wish that they brought back Schilt. I do think that that's going to be yeah, I completely impactful. agree. I thought he did a great job with that team last year, and apparently there are philosophical differences between him and the front office. All right, yeah. so, Jake, you have in the NLCS, you said Dodgers and Brewers? Yes, sir. All right, and then who's going to the World Series? Give me Brewers over the Astros. Wow. Back-to-back -back years. Wow. Yeah. I think the Brew Crew have m maybe the best rotation, at least one through three. And I love Eric Lauer as well. But the best one through three that we've seen since, like, outside of the Dodgers <laughs> with Scherzer, Scherzer, Kershaw, and Bueller. But one of the best big threes we've seen. And I think I think their lineup's got a lot of sleepers that that I actually love. Like I love Renfro, I love Adamas. I think Urias is going to break out. Locaine still nice. Yelich, I think is going to have a big bounce back year. Well, that's so, the key right there. If if Yelich yeah. comes back, that changes the entire outlook for that team because last year it it felt like they really lacked just one big bat, maybe Seriously, two. Hundred percent, hundred percent. and that's why. Agree. Brian Cohen and I did that NL or we did the playoff preview. And we both said that it's like, if they had that one big bat, we'd be feel pretty good about them going to the world series with that pitching rotation. It's not there. If Yelich can come back, if they get a couple other guys, maybe they, maybe they add another piece of the deadline. I think that changes the entire outlook. I'm going to go with, all right, one more revision. I got, 
I said the Dodgers. I put them at a hundred and what did I say? I think I said like a hundred seven wins, hundred eight wins. I'm going over one ten. I think this team is. Brian Cohen also said this last year. It's not crazy. Last year he said it's not crazy. I think the Dodgers could, uh, you know, challenge that win record of a one seventeen that the Mariners have. It's not crazy for them to do that, considering they won one oh seven a year ago, and the Giants are not going to win one hundred and eight games this year. <laughs> so they're going to be more more wins to be had, and they've got Freddie. Now they have the best first baseman in all of baseball. I think <laughs> this is going to be a historically great Dodgers team. Like the Dodgers are going to go. I'm going to go with a hundred. Let's go 114 wins. Wow. 114 wins for the Dodgers. All right. All right, Jack. I like it though. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any, any really hesitancy for me to push back on that take. Cause I think it very well could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I know. I just saying, I think that's, I, I think it really, really could happen. It could be, end up being the best MLB team of all time. It could be very well. Could be. And, they're gonna they're gonna add more at the deadline. We know it. They did it last year. Why wouldn't they do it again? Always. Always. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go. Let's see. All right. So Dodgers, Braves get the bye. Cardinals and the Phillies, Brewers and the Padres. I'll take the I'll take the Cardinals and the Brewers. Sorry, Jake. To get <laughs> to the DS. I'll go Dodgers over the Brewers. I'll go Braves over the Cardinals. And then you're going to get the another rematch and Freddie's just going to kill the Braves. It's just going to it's going to happen here in the postseason. That's the that's the problem with the Braves. I think they're still going to win the division, but they're not going to beat the Dodgers who now took their best player from them. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's that that team isn't fair. It, I, I'm glad I'm I'm glad that Freddie Freeman's in LA now because obviously he's not in my vision, but <laughs> sucks to see Matt Olson, who is also incredible, just take his place and Freddie Freeman to go to another team in the NL who the Phillies are going to get through. So not ideal, Jack, but, yeah. uh, but, but I like the picks, you know, I, I think the Brewers, I think the Brewers can do it. It's kind of a little bit of a hot take, but I think right. pitching. Okay, I'm also cha- I I goofed up. I meant to pick the Blue Jays over the Rays, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. go with the Blue Jays in the World Series against the Dodgers. Okay, I'm gonna take the Dodgers in five games. Nice. That's your pick, Dodgers in five over the Blue Jays. Jack's calling it here on April sixth, twenty twenty two, and Jack has called the last two. World Series champions, and also the last Super Bowl and college football champs as well. Nice, nice. So you're going Brewers over the Astros? Yes, sir. How many games? I'll go Brew Crew over Astros in seven at home. Okay, that'd be. I think that'd be great. I mean, I would like. You know, I'll say this. I'll say this. I think the Dodgers are a more likable. I don't, I don't like to use the term super team, but that's kind of where we categorize categorize a lot of these teams that are dominant. I think the Dodgers are a lot more likable than, say, the Warriors were 
or some of LeBron's teams or the Heat and the Cavs. Um, and a lot of people hated the Patriots. I actually didn't hate the Patriots. But am I wrong to think that the Dodgers are a little more likable than some of these other teams? Thousand percent. And and I think I'm not I wrong. Was... Thousand percent not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think realistically though, look at their biggest name. Not the best player, but the biggest name, Clayton Kershaw, who's been consistently throughout his career just doubted it in the playoffs you know he's been he's, he's a great guy he's just one of those guys that it's really if you don't like Clayton Kershaw like what what's wrong with you you know or or you're a Padres fan or whatever <laughs> but, then, but then on on the other end you've got Max Muncie and Justin Turner who have been the two two staples in this offense both guys that how can you not root for these guys they came out of freaking nowhere you know MLB journeymen like bouncing up in between the minors and the big leagues. How can you not love these guys popping off? And you got Mookie Betts, which who doesn't like Mookie? You know, Mookie's just one of the most lovable baseball players. And then now they get Freddie Freeman, who's also just falls right in that category of lovable baseball players. So I completely agree with you. And yeah. it's tough. And I, I, I'm a big fan of the super teams. I actually, uh, I love the Patriots. You know, I'm a huge Tom Brady guy. So I, I never fall in that category of, you know, hating greatness, but it sucks. It sucks. Well, I think uh, the key is like with the Patriots and with the Dodgers is there's still been sportsmanship and classiness. Like Tom Brady's a, a gentleman, whereas mm-hmm. I feel like the that Warriors LeBron run in the NBA was really trashy. But it was yeah. really not. It wasn't. It was like okay, we'll just go team up with our buddies and beat up on everybody and show them up, and then when someone beats us, we're gonna throw a fit. And Draymond's a really easy guy to hate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Okay, uh, all right. So I'm going Dodgers over the Blue Jays. Jake is going Brewers over the Astros. Uh, Any bold predictions for this year? I got one. It's not not really measured by anything, but I think that Chris Bryant's going to have a great year for Colorado Rockies. I actually... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I I can absolutely see that. I think... Going to Coors is obviously a perfect situation too, but I think it's also going to be a very relaxing environment. You know, he's going to enjoy living there. So life outside of baseball is going to be nice and he's going to just love hitting there. And I don't, and he's going to, you know, get to play a couple of different positions. Fans are going to love him there. I completely agree with that. Hot takes for me. Uh, Chris Bryant's going to hit 40 home runs and finish top 10 in MVP voting. Starting nice. in the all-star nice. game at third base or no outfield. I think it'll be outfield, but I think Chris Bryant, honestly, I really, it's interesting because the, the Rockies fans that I've talked to don't seem to be like super excited about it. And it's more that they're just emotionally sad that they lost Arenado and that and they story and story, of course. But the main thing with the Arenado one, and it's like Chris Bryant's going to end up being 80 or $90 million cheaper than Arenado mm-hmm. was, and he's going to endear himself to that fan base pretty quickly. I think he'll he'll win him over pretty quick. So I think I think that ended up. I think that was actually a really nice move. I like that for the Rockies. I like it for Chris Bryant. Oh, I completely agree. So for mine, it's going to be a little uh, fiery. Uh, <laughs> outside of Bryce winning back back MVP, of course. Uh, I'm going to take Fran Valdez to win the AL Cy Young. Whoa. I think. Yes, I. Uh, so he's plus eight thousand. Put it out there for uh, anyone who wants to to throw a buck on it. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> but uh, but I I just I love the guy for one, and he's got an absolute jelly rubber arm, whatever you want to call it. He was he got hurt in spring last year, something with his pinky, and he's supposed to miss like three months. Comes back two months earlier, and Dusty Baker's just raving about how he's an insane healer. He's got a jelly arm. He's got great stuff. He led the league. He was second, second or third in the league in innings in that 2020 shortened season. And he just pitches deep into ball games. I think he's going to be. He's starting on opening day for the Astros, and he's got as good a chance as anyone. And his his odds are way too long right now. I think he could absolutely do it in a wide open AL Cy Young race. That's really interesting. I'm not going to go that scorching hot. I like. I respect the take. I respect the take. I like it. I'm not going to go in that direction, but I will certainly give you credit if you're right, Jake. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I'm trying to think in terms of awards, if there was any, if I, I don't have the odds in front of me in terms of awards, um, but we touched on ale rookie of the year. You want to call any other awards? I mean, I didn't really prep for this part. Um, so I don't, maybe you'll trigger something in me if you bring something up, but I, yeah. Otherwise you can end this podcast. <laughs> uh, um, real quick. I'm not, I'm not a huge awards guy. Cause obviously it's almost impossible to pick throughout 162 game season. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I mean, nothing, no other like big, you know, fiery takes. I don't think Jacob B. Brown is going to win it this year. Obviously it's easy to say after the injury, but I was saying that beforehand too. Uh, I can see Brandon Woodruff winning it. See, actually, the only one Jack realistically, I know I just said it, but I actually do think Bryce might win a back-to-back MVP. He's got eight dingers in spring, and he's seeing the ball at just an unreal rate. And he's one of those guys who he doesn't get hot for a month at a time. He doesn't get hot for two months at a time. He gets hot for like eight months at a time, yeah, maybe he's twelve months at a time. Yeah. So I can see him coming out hot and at least leading the MVP race up to the All Star break. Yeah, I think him and Soto are probably going to be going at it again. Both those two, and if you wanted, if you want a good story, how about Freddie Freeman winning the MVP despite <laughs> the Braves this year? I could one hundred percent see that happening. <laughs> I could too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. Anything else? This was fantastic. Uh, no, Jack. I really appreciate you having on having me on. I obviously cannot wait for opening day tomorrow. I'll be there at Wrigley, a couple blocks down from my apartment right now. Yeah, the only Phillies fan in Wrigleyville. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'll be cheering on best pitcher in baseball, Corbin Burns. And uh, go Brewers, go Phillies. This is going to be an exciting season. All right. Thank you very much, Jake. Uh, would you like to throw out your social media handles or anything you want to plug or promote while you're here? Oh, all good, Jack. I'm uh, I'll keep that keep that to myself. Not a big social media guy, but uh, <laughs> give Jack fall. All right. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, Jake. I'm sure we'll check in with you some point this season. Appreciate it, of course. All right. That concludes my conversation today with Jake Poliga. You guys can follow me at Jack Vita Show on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, and uh, make sure you guys all subscribe to the Jack Vita show. We're going to have some great guests along the way. Um, We've had some really fun guests recently, by the way. We've had some, you know, athletes and reality TV contestants. We're going to have more of those. And uh, I'm excited about 
this season. There'll be plenty of baseball content along the way. So hit subscribe to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. All right. Well, we finished our preview series and I hope you guys enjoyed it all. Like I said, we got more baseball season and baseball content and other sports content as well coming up this season. So until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>